What's up, kinksters? This is Kinkyistics with Kristen. And Jamie. We're here to pleasure all your holes. So let's jump into it. This month we're reading Royally Rearranged by Emma St. Clair. The back says, I love the synopsis. It's my favorite part. There will be a royal wedding. The only question, who will be my groom? An arranged marriage isn't the worst part for a princess like me, especially because I've been in love with my intended groom since we were children. But when my prince shows up with an American girlfriend instead of an engagement ring, all arrangements are off. The clock is nearing midnight. I won't turn into a pumpkin, but if I'm not wed by summer's end, I'll forfeit my kingdom. Just your typical royal dilemma. Out of a sheer desperation, I have a deal with a devilish duke, Raph de Silvi. He is the prince's rival and has a plan so ridiculous it just might work. One moment, Raph seems to relish making the prince jealous. And the next, he's making me question everything with his words, his touch, and his ability to melt me, my ice prince, princess persona. I'm not always given the luxury of choice, but now I have a huge one to make. I hope I don't lose my crown, my heart, or myself in the process. Yeah. Yeah. It was such a sweet book. It was. This book made reminded me why I love rom-coms so much. Yes, it was a written rom-com. <laughs> like, it's like an adult version of The Princess Diaries. Yeah. Because yeah. it had more, um, you got more of the political entry. Yes. I gotta say, I like how they frame the story as a fairy tale story for their child at night yes that was great so you open it up the book and you know the couple are gonna get she just she takes that bromance thing that we all expect we're like oh we know at the end they'll be together and they'll live happily ever after that's why we pick these books up is we know this it's comforting right yes she just said guess what i'm gonna embrace this and i'm gonna tell you right up that this is who she's going to end up with. Yep. How she gets here, well, you're just going to have to read to find out. Yep. And we did. We did all read. Cause but did they say his name in the beginning of the book? Mm, I don't think they... Yes. They did? I think they did, yes. Because, um... Hi, Skippy. The king, oh, they don't. She put it as the king of Voyar. Vior. Vior. Vior, is that what we're going with? That's the um, way I've been saying it. But they did describe him. And then I was like, well, he's not the blonde prince. So, and then they described Raph. And I was like, that's it. I know which one it is. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know which one it is because he says the other one is the idiotic prince. Well, that too, yes. <laughs> but still going through it, you're not sure which one she's going to choose. Or at least it makes it seem like you're not sure which one she's going to choose. But if you, you know, read the whole book, you know which one she's going to choose. See, for me, I kept reading the book and I was like, oh my goodness, I know I know they end up together. I knew who she chose from that first chapter. Right. I just like, was like, how are we going to get there? Right. Because <laughs> it makes it seem like she's going to choose the other one for a little bit. Yeah, she does a very good job of, like, making it s intriguing. Yes. 
without it becoming contrived. Yes. Yes. That 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 is one of the wonderful things about this book. Another odd thing about this book is there's absolutely no sex. Nope. I was hoping one scene. I was too, especially when you got to the end and it was like, oh, we get to the wedding, so maybe yes. there is gonna be. <laughs> nope, she falls asleep. And he falls asleep too. And I was thinking about that for like an hour after I went to like, after I got done with the book, I was thinking about it and I was like, oh my goodness, she did that for a reason because you wouldn't talk about sex even between spouses with your child at five. No. That's just not something you do. Well, and even in the the end of the book, it said, you know, I edit it for a five-year-old. Right. So, like, even what we did read, I don't think that... Right. It was so sanitized and cute that you wonder what the real story is. Yeah. I don't know if she'll ever, like, publish, like, the not, like, the rated R version of this book. I don't think so. I don't think that's her style. No. But... Um, the next book is actually um, Prince Callum and Prince Philip. Like, both of them at the same time? Like, it's their love interests. Oh, okay. Yeah, because... Okay, so... There's... It starts off with Princess Serafina of... Vior. 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 Um, which is a fake country. She Did you read the beginning where she's like, look, this is a fi- fictional royal countries that I made up? Uh, I don't remember. Oh, okay. Well, she puts in the author's notes, like, um, she's like, I made these countries up. You know, monarchies and rules of succession are different for the different royal families across the world, which is fair, because, like, the Japanese royal family is completely different than the British monarchy. But the Japanese royal family is, like, the oldest in the entire world. It goes back to, like, oh, goodness, like, 700 B.C. Okay. And the next one, next closest royal family is, I want to say, it's in Africa. Um, It's not Omen. No. Omen is in Africa. But Cambodia. The Kingdom of Cambodia. Okay. And that one was, like, a... 7 AD. Wow. Yeah. So, like, and just to, like, put into perspective, the British royal family was established in, like, 660 AD. Wow. With Alfred the Great. And don't give it, like, the years are going to be, like, off a little bit. Right. In that general area. Um, So, like... Of course, their, uh, the way their succession rules and their, you know, like, their uh, titling systems are different than what the J- Japanese are. Mm-hmm. And same for, like, the Swedish family, uh, Swedish royal family and the Norwegian royal family. And all of them are different, depending on what country. So she tells us, I base this off the British one, the British royal family, because that's what I'm most familiar with as an American that spent time in London. Yeah. And she's like, I have friends in London. This is what I'm basing it off of. They're, so when you read the book, imagine that their accents are British accents and imagine like they're following that kind of hierarchy. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and I, that's kind of important, especially when you start getting into the book and um, the big intrigue between Raphael de Silva, um, the Duke of Weldon, Weldon, who is from Phil- Philip and Callum's uh, country of Elsinore. Thank you. uh because theirs is very very like a his uncle who has him in a conservatorship Mm -hmm. and is rolling ruling his duchy and controlling his money is only a baron and like that's the bottom of the hierarchy do you know do you know their royal okay (laughs) (laughs) I, i i knew that duke was like as close to a prince as you could get yes it, it's okay. Um, but I didn't know where Baron was. So I might actually put something up on our Instagram to visualize this. But it goes, um, if I remember correctly, it goes, you're king and queen, princess and princesses. Um, and they usually have dukedoms of their own to, like, pay for shit. Okay. Like, okay. Um, the Royal, the British royal family is a the Duchy of Lancaster that the Prince of Wales gets. Um, yeah, I think it's the Duchy of Lancaster. And it's just a bunch of land and property portfolio that Rev gives him money. So, like, it's old as fuck. It's, like, 1100, like, from 1180. This giant collection of land. And, like the land and the rent from those properties and things like that get put in a trust and then the trust pays the the royal family or this person like so much a month. Okay. Um, but you can get into the trust if you need to for like financial reasons. Uh, but automatically a certain amount of money will be put into your accounts from the thing every month. And that's how they live. Um, same concept with RAF, but because... Okay, so, like, so that's how duchies work, right? So you have the dukes that have, like, big, big pieces of these lands like that. Mm-hmm. And then right under dukes is the marquees. And it's because they got added in later um, from, based off a of French title. They weren't originally okay. part of the structure. They got added in in, like, the 1500s, I want to say. 15 or 1600s. Because of, like, some, one of the queens was like, oh, I really, it came from France, and I really like this part about France. Um, and then after the Marquis comes the Earls, and they have a smaller par- piece of property. Same concept where, like, they make money off the rents, mm-hmm. yada, yada, yada. Now, I think nowadays that the money isn't so much made, like, they don't necessarily receive the money anymore um, for earldoms and everything, but I don't know. Mm. And then after Earls comes the Viscounts and Viscountess. Um, and so for anybody that read Bridgerton, the, the Viscount and me, the second season. Mm-hmm. Um, so Anthony Bridgerton is a Viscount. I haven't. Oh, you, you haven't even seen Bridgerton? Oh my God. Goodness, the amount of sex in that show is so good. I'm I, sorry. You need you need to watch Bridgerton. And then you need to watch uh Queen Charlotte, the Bridgerton spinoff. Okay. It's important that you watch those two first and then watch that one. Okay. I, it's just the way they were made, it flows better that way. Right. 
historically though of course queen charlotte came first because it's you know like how her and george the third fell in love and yada 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 and it's it's not based i mean there's little hints of truth from history but it's not like pure right. fact um so yeah and then after the viscounts comes the barons and that's the last of the peerage or the nobility or the titled people after that you can have like dames and knights and stuff but that doesn't get passed down to generations or anything that can be right. bestowed on you by the king and you know that's why we have like dame judy Dench. dame judy Dench. that's a lot of d's for me that is a lot of d's <laughs> there's um, also knights um ian mckellen yes and that knight- isn't Patrick Stewart, he's a sir. Yeah, he's a knight as well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So, because it works like that, his uncle, Raph, from the book, is a baron. And he's, like, at the bottom of the barrel. Mm -hmm. And he he came up from poverty to become a baron in his kingdom. Um, So, that's, like, that's a pretty incredible, like, ascent, I guess. Or maybe he was a baron and they were just very broke in the beginning. I'm not sure. I'm not I just sure. know that he and his sister were very broke and that um, Effectively, she married into um, the duchy. Yeah. And became a duchess. Right. Whereas Roth's dad was the duke and that's why Roth got the dukedom. Yes. Upon both of them dying when he was a child. Yep. And then his uncle took over for taking care of him. So then he got to become more powerful. And he liked that power. Yes. Um, And that's why he worked on... He found a way to turn that... I'm going to be your... uh, Guardian? Guardian, I guess, or... Yeah, until he was, like, 18, and then when he was, like, I think he was, when he was, when he was, like, in his early, like, maybe in his 1920, he, uh, ran into the, uh, Royal Guard, mm-hmm. which was part of, you know, everybody joined the Royal Guard at one point and right. did their military service, that's what they did, but he had a mental breakdown shortly after because they locked him in a small, dark space. And he has child abuse in his past so. from his uncle yep and his uncle used that to like put a conservatorship over him yep and that's where raf is when he, the book starts whereas uh, seraphina or fee or sarah mm-hmm. or seraph depending on who you are yep because they all have different nicknames for her yep um she is like in love with this guy that she has been promised to and friends with since she was a child. Yep. Like a lot of this book starts when they were like eight years old running around a school and private parties together. Yep. And, um, but according to her family's charter, which is a lot like, again, her, their structure is pretty much the same as the Royal family here in, or in, Great Britain. Right. Um, but according to hers, they retire at 55, which no other royal family has that, I think, actually existing. I think it's just something the writer created to, or Emma created to, uh, for the book as a plot device. Mm-hmm. And 
because of that, when they retire at 55, their heir takes over and their heir has to be married yep. before that. And she decided to go to college instead of getting herself a husband. Yep. And so... Her parents were pissed off about that and they thought that it was ridiculous and that she didn't need to go to college, but she wanted to do it because she wanted to be a better... Um, ruler yep. than her parents. Because her parents kind of like... I don't know. I almost want to say they're like the Charles and Camilla, but I think Charles and Camilla are worse. <laughs> <laughs> This book got uh, darker than I was expecting for a rom-com with the child abuse, but I feel like it was needed mm -hmm. because Rafe needed that dark backstory to explain why he was such a... Why he wasn't a candidate, too. Yeah. Because, like, when it when there were, you're looking at the charter, the, the basic uh, requirements for the spouse of the heir... Of Elfinor? Vior. No. Yeah, Vior. Sorry. Um, Vior is that they have to have a title. It doesn't yep. matter what title or where they're at or anything like that. Yep. They just have to have a title. They just have to have a title. And we're all thinking, well, Raph has a title. He's a fucking duke. Right. <laughs> Why isn't he on the list? Which we find out he is on the list. He's the very last name he, on the list. He is, on, in fact, on her parents' list. But they ruled him out because of his mental instability and the trauma yep. that came from the child abuse. Yep. And they were like, we well, don't... nobody knows about the child abuse. They just know about the mental trauma. They suspect it, though. They do su suspect. They suspect it because there's... An a lot of claims, but none of them could be corroborated. Because he wasn't physically abusive. No, he was just mentally abusive, which, in a lot of cases, that's worse. That's right. much worse. Right. Like, someone could beat the fuck out of me, and I'll take it. I'm pretty good at, like, taking a beating. Um, but mentally, like, I've I've been there, where Raph has, mm -hmm. as a child, and it, like, fucks you up for life. I'm still working on all the trauma. Right. From my childhood. And I couldn't imagine, like, trying to run a country like that without doing this stuff that Raph had done beforehand. Right. Like, if he hadn't gone to therapy for two years before he met her. Well, he'd met or, her before, but two years before, before the book Before they started happened. dating, yeah. And for, two years before the book happened, um, he was in therapy after the... Uh, mental breakdown from the in the military yep and that's when he changed who he was and allowed him to be the person for this book right and I think that's beautiful yeah and he got a lot of really good coping skills out of therapy like with the um singing and the tapping on his arm and the um, rounding techniques yeah yep which I recognized some of those because oh, like, therapy and because of <laughs> grounding techniques and all of that. And I was like, yep, yep, these are all real. These are all things I do. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> so she did her research on that and she knows what she's talking about when she was talking about like the grounding techniques and like the singing to yourself, the happy songs and the tapping and the, she did her research. She also did her research when it came to the economics of the, uh, creating, when she was creating the economics of the countries, uh -huh. because two big parts of the tech industry is silicone and copper because you need copper to make all the motherboards mm -hmm. for all these computer components. And 
I was just like really impressed that that was something she kind of focused on. Yeah. And then she was like, oh, I'm also going to take the time to talk about how some people are already doing copper mining, but they're doing environmentally, like, they're ruining the environment by doing it and right. not and doing it. there's a better way to do it. There is a better way of doing it. And she kind of pointed that out. Yeah. And I like that because, like, the copper mines in Arizona are, mm, mm. yeah, from what I've heard, they're not the greatest like, if you go out towards, like, Surprise, Arizona, and, uh, it's, like, it's some, oh, I don't know, probably about 30 minutes outside of Phoenix, hmm. like, going east, there's copper mines out there, um, and they make the state so much money, but at the same time, the way they're ethically, they're not ethically sourced gotcha. copper, it's just, like, we may, we found copper out here looking for gold <laughs> to be fair that's what they were originally looking for was gold gotcha but, but yeah. the amount of research and that went into this book is incredible and it shows because it made it a really well-written book yes like everything is very well defined the only thing that i had problems with was um the timeline got a bit wonky like, I didn't realize that it was just one day from the time of um, her arriving, like, at the tennis match. And then the dance where she um, went and hid. And she wore the curtain dress. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, That's all fair. one day. Yeah. And it messed with my brain a little bit because I was like, what do you mean that's the same day? Because <laughs> well, a lot happened in that one day. Yes. And then, like, the rest of the book is, like, a week's long time. So, that's my own, that was my only issue with the book. Other than that, I absolutely loved it. That's fair. That's fair. Um, no, I love, it. like, it was well written. Everything about it. I, even the Dane, Anders, her security guard, yes. was so fantastic. Yes. Um, he is her head of security and yep. he watches her and guards her. And I guess they had snapped her from the Pope. And if you know anything about that army, it well, okay. So the Pope's guard isn't actually Italian or anything like that. They come from Swiss Switzerland and they're the Swiss guard. Okay. And they are like elite top of the line um military motherfuckers like they're so a giant he is a giant which is why they call him the dane because they're like he's so tall and swedish yep. and so they were like you know what let's fuck with him and call him the dane like yep. he's a danish <laughs> from denmark rather than from sweden and he doesn't say anything he says a whole whopping 49 words yep since an entire year yeah. At one point, he actually says a whole sentence, and she goes, oh my gosh. And that's what gets her to 49. I was word counting. <laughs> <laughs> the whole time. Like, the first time he speaks, I think it's like on uh, 3.52. It's not until much late later in the book. Um, Usually, it's kind of like head nods and grunts and ugh. eye movements and... Yeah. And she knows what every one of those means. She translated she's had it for so long. <laughs> At one point, his eyebrow movements for the reader. <laughs> yep. 
And it was fantastic. It was. Um, another great character was her best friend, Kat. Yes, I loved Kat. I love oh, and Claudius. Her. Yes. I love that Kat was this little Korean girl who they met in, like, cause I, I believe Serafina went to University in London. I believe so. And that's where she met Kat. Yeah, because she talked about shipping her back to London at yes. one point. That was my understanding. But Kat, they are, like... Um, she's working on her law degree, or she just finished her law degree. Something like that. Something like that. And um, Serafina's finding a way to pay for it because she's going to snap a steel cat as her like legal counsel. And in fact, she has her going through the charter at one point and yep. all these legal documents. And like, she was like, it's, there's got to be a loophole. There's got to be a loophole. <laughs> and Kat's like, no, this isn't like the movies. <laughs> and they make reference to movies all the time. She did. Book. Like she even said something about how um Mean Girls. Yeah. That she, went over Seraphina's head. <laughs> yeah. Well, there was also the whole um getting Callum back plot that Rafe came up with. She was like, it's like from a movie that Kat and I watched last week, and it just seems like this just shouldn't <laughs> work. And then she made reference to um the Princess Diaries a couple times. Yeah. Yeah. I think she recognized that it was, like, a big one for her. Um, but Kat is lovely. She's a little Korean girl. She's fierce. And she pushes the princess to be more. She does. Because the whole... Serafina's problem to, like, balance out rafts is she is... Ex- is way down to with expectations to the point that they paralyze her. Mm-hmm. And she's she has all of these thoughts and these wishes and she wants to move forward with not only with her but with the kingdom because she cares about her people so much and she cares about this job she was born into. She's yeah. like, if I'm gonna do this job, I'm gonna do it well. Mm-hmm. And I'm gonna take care of these people because I recognize the privilege that came with just being born into this spot in the world. Right. And she says several times in the book that she was literally born to be in this role. And she's like, and it is. I'm taking it. It's mine. Yeah. So she's like, I will do anything for this crown and my people. Which, if that means I have to, like, marry some like somebody in the next two months, I'm going to marry somebody in the next two months. Right. And Rafe has to tell her several times, what do you want? Yeah. What, you know, will make you happy? What you know, think about yourself. And he's, you know, basically going to spend the rest of their life reminding her, you know, think about yourself. Be selfish for once. Yeah, he's going to do the work of taking care of her. Uh-huh. Which is a, a reference to Elizabeth and um, Philip of Great Britain. Okay. Okay, so when Qu- Queen Elizabeth... I don't and know I- if we have time for this. We've got three minutes. <laughs> I, we do, okay. So when they when they first got engaged... Um, one of the few things that was told to Prince Albert was, or Prince Philip, I'm sorry, Albert was Victoria's husband. Um, Philip was, your job is the crown. Your job is to take care of her and her needs and put her first beyond everybody else. Because she's going to be putting everybody else before her. Your job is to take care of the crown. And I think that's what she did with Raph yep. here. Is like she's He's like, no, my job it will be like, to take care of you. I know I'm like. Uh, okay so. Unlike in this story. The British royal monarchies. When you're born into the position. 
whoever you marry doesn't get half your power. They really don't get any power. Right. Um, they just get a fancy title and they're taking care of the rest of their life. Mm-hmm. Um, but in this book... They get the power. They get half the power. So whoever uh, Serafina chose was going to be her king and was going to have 50% of the decision making and had to be there for her. Yep. And so she kept that in mind moving forward. She had to make a good choice, not for her, but but for for her king. Yes. And that's why she was like, think she kept trying going back to Callum. I think even after she recognized that she just had these crushed feelings, mm-hmm. like it was a sweet first love kind of puppy crush. Right. And she recognized that. But I think the reason why she still kept him as a viable, um, you know, like, okay, yeah, I'm going to go after Callum, even though I know I don't have feelings for him because he's a really great choice for my kingdom. Right. And, my kingdom is what matters. Yep. So, yeah. I mean, it was so sweet and so beautiful. It even says a sweet royal rom-com on the cover. Uh-huh. And you're just like, yeah. It no, really was. That's that's what it was. That's what it was. <laughs> Do you want to start the next one? Yeah. Ooh. So there may not be any sex in this book, but we do still have a fetish. We do have a fetish. It's the military kink. Because one of the few scenes you get from them when they're like, love is budding uh-huh. between Raph and Serafina is um, after she finds out that he was in the Royal Guard for a little bit. She's like, I couldn't imagine you being in the military. And then she watches him. Like, she orders him around. Yep. Like, in the military. Like, Make my bed. And he does it perfectly, and they're both, like, it's, like, one of the hottest scenes in the book. It is, and she's like, oh, man, I shouldn't have done this. <laughs> I didn't realize how hot this was going to be. Right. This is confusing me more than... <laughs> because she was very confused at that point. Yes. Because she didn't know if she loved Callum, but she knew that she still wanted, or she thought she still wanted Callum to be the one that she married, but Callum didn't want to marry her, but she knew that Rafe was no this was before she knew Rafe was on the list yes but she was but she had an interest in Rafe at this point still like she's always had a draw to Rafe yeah she just like well originally she didn't like him like in the very beginning of the book she didn't like him but that was also Callum's doing that was because before Callum started telling her all these bad things about him and like poisoning her against Rafe like she was like curious about him yep and even with all those bad feelings, she was like, he is attractive. And there is something there. That charm is there. Yep. Like, she was being charmed. She's just resisting it because of all Callum's poison. Yep. And because of the media. Yeah. And the media of calling him the royal rogue. Yep. Mm, he's your good boy. So what was that fetish called? It was like... A military kink. Is it just military kink? Yeah. Like, a basic military fetish. Um... There's also different subdivisions. The well, military you took a screenshot of it. I did. Um. <laughs> uh, yeah, military fetish. A kink or preference for characters who are, or were, soldiers. As well as military themes or iconology. And, like, there's different subdivisions of, like, the uniform kink. And then dominance hierarchy kink. Where you're, like, the rank and the authority is the thing you're getting off on. Mm-hmm. 
or like the uniform is the thing you're getting off on. But the military one just kind of like encompasses it everything. All. Yeah. Yeah. Which the uniform one doesn't necessarily have to be military because there's a lot of people that like people in uniform. Oh man, like an officer, they might be dicks. I might not be a big fan of the police, but the black uniform with the belt and mm, yes, please. I am totally down for a good uniform. I get that (laughs) one. Yes, I do. I like maid outfits. Maid outfits are also hot. Um, What else? Uh, There's there's some good ones out there. You know, we could have. We could have also gone with the royal king. Yeah. Yeah. Like, one of the fun role-playing kings is where uh, you like to be dominated by the king. Or, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Or, I'll do anything, my lady. But I think the military kink works better because that scene was really hot. It was. And it stuck out in my head. As I was reading it, I said, this is our kink. (laughs) Kristen came with... I think we should do kissing. I was like, can you do <laughs> kissing as a kink? I don't know. I'm sure you could. Well, because there were several kissing scenes. Oh, yeah. Like, every kiss they had was, like, amazing. It yeah. was just as good as a well-written sex scene. Right. It got the tension there. You're all hot and bothered. But you, you were just like, she edged you better than anybody. Yep. Uh, it was great. <laughs> it was. It's a really good book. You should go and read it yourselves. Enjoy the world that she built, like, because uh, she has. She created like two different countries out of thin air. Yep. Yes, and then uh, she created like realistic scenarios for all of them. Mm-hmm. She, it's just everything is so well thought out in this book. Yep. Um, As for next month, it is our anniversary. Yep. So What's it been? Two years now? Three years? I think it's two. Don't quote me on that. It might be three. I just know our anniversary is in June with my husband and I's dating anniversary. Our, our marriage anniversary is in March, but our dating one, which will go on oh. 14 years this year... Technically, our anniversary was, uh, our very first episode aired on September of 2020. Oh, okay. Well, (laughs) do we want to save this one for September then? We could. Okay. We'll save it for September. Sorry. It's okay. That means, okay. All right. So the book we're reading this month, this upcoming month for Pride. Yep. Is. A Lesbian's Guide to Women. By Erica Lee, the synopsis. Annalise Finch is content. She has a job she enjoys, or content, not content, content. She has a job she enjoys, lives close to her family and friends, and spends most Wednesday nights drinking wine with her grandma. According to her grandma, though, she has lost her sparkle, and the only solution is to join a site to hook up with her other women. The only problem, aside from a meddling grandma with a dirty mind, is Annalise doesn't like women. At least that's what she always thought, but when she meets Brinley Adams, she starts to question everything. Brinley Adams loves women, but not commitment. She's more than happy picking up ladies at the bar she works at to have a little fun. 
When a hot blonde walks into her bar and completely fails to go home with the woman she came with, what choice does Brinley really have but to take her under her wings? Their arrangement is perfect. Brinley will teach Annalise everything she knows about pleasing a woman, and in turn, Brinley gets to have a little fun herself. Since neither of them are interested in any sort of commitment, what could possibly go wrong? It's not like it's a romantic comedy. (laughs) Which leads me to believe it is. It is. And it's another sweet, like, you know, arrangement rom-com. Uh-huh. And uh, this one should have sex in it. Hopefully it'll have sex. Lesbian sex. Yep. <laughs> hopefully. Um, but, you know, it's Pride Month. We have to do something for Pride. I don't think we did last year. I think we just kind of glossed over it. Oh, my goodness. No. No. Last year we did. We did um, the Gay Vampire book. Did we? I think so. Okay. I, and two two people as queer as us do not miss pride, <laughs> Kristen. Okay, and the year before that, all we out, did all out, yep. And we thought about doing the sequel to that one, but you didn't want to have to buy the book, which yeah. is fair. It was seventeen dollars. That's fair. <laughs> I already spend eleven dollars on Kindle Unlimited every month, right? Which I mean, I use it other than just for the podcast, but still, if you're already spending the money, why spend more money? Yeah. Right? Yeah, I get that. I like books, clearly, and um, <laughs> with my mem- with all of my memory problems, I have to see things. So the more if I see the book, I'm more likely to read the book again mm-hmm. than if I buy it on Kindle or read it on Kindle because gotcha. then it'll get lost in my like brain castle, mm-hmm. like in the blurriness of the back. That's why I like buying the books for the podcast, right? Because we find real gems. We do. There's been a few that we've been shitty, but... I mean, you have to dig through the shit to find the gem, right? Yep. But it's there. Yeah, like, oh, What was it? Zodiac Academy? I know, like, yes. people enjoyed that, but I... Ugh, that was terrible. It keeps getting suggested to me, and, like, I'm like, no, no. <laughs> no, no, thank you. This is terrible. Because we read the first one, so <laughs> then, like, the next one keeps getting suggested, and I'm like, no. No. <laughs> No. And then I think I saw um, somebody asking for recommendations and someone suggested Zodiac Academy and I went, (laughs) (laughs) You're like, this isn't even good, like, bully role play. No. And it wasn't healthy. There was nothing. If you want to know what we're talking about, go back and read, listen to The Suckening. The Suckening. I think that was the title of the podcast episode. Uh-huh. Um, because that that book deserves a rant. Not as big as the Fifty Shades of Grey book. Which we'll be doing <laughs> we'll be doing Fifty Shades of Earl Grey for our uh, anniversary. Anniversary in September. Which is easy to remember now because Josh's birthday is in September and your birthday is in September. Yep. So it's just a month of celebration. Yep. Um, hopefully by then I'll have answers on my medical condition and what's going on with me. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm clearly getting better at speaking and managing it, but it still exists. If you guys are wondering, probably heard it a couple times during the podcast. I feel like it's been pretty good today. Today it has been pretty good. It helps I haven't done shit. <laughs> <laughs> but yes. Um, no, 
this month's book, definitely go pick it up for yourself. Go on that journey with Serafina and Raph. It's a really fun, fun book. It Yes. Yeah, that just needs to be experienced, I feel like. It's a little longer than what we have been doing because we've been doing like two, three hundred page books. This one was a four hundred page or so, um, but it really didn't feel like it was that much longer. Right. It was like there was no like, oh, my goodness, what page are we on? Like it was more like, how the fuck is she going to wrap this all up in like the next 60 pages? Damn. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> like we're really excited. Yeah. Um, that was actually something that I wrote in my notes. I was like, I'm really excited to re- to talk about this book with you because like I kept wanting to text you stuff. Same. <laughs> and like I would highlight something in the book and be like, oh, I need to send a picture of this highlight to her. And But I didn't know where you were in the book and I didn't want to like spoil anything. And I was like, I'm really excited about talking about this book. Because- and then we didn't really talk about the plot that much we kind of we did it we were just so excited by the characters and the world building there's just too much with this book to be like to explain it all in under an hour right you like i hope if you're listening to this you are inspired enough to just go pick it up i mean she's an independent author she's clearly hustling but she's got the talent Yes. And it's well worth the read and the money. It is. Because I picked up the the hard the hardback and it was only like fifteen. Or That's not, not bad. Not the hardback, but the paperback. And it was only like fifteen. Um And if you do have Kindle Unlimited, it's on Kindle Unlimited. Yep. And I mean like she does everything. She like her copyright's hers. She did ha- buy the uh, cover from Alt-19 Creative. But um, she does the editing. I mean, like, she's an independent author doing her, like, her best. Yeah. I want to be her when I grow up. <laughs> no. Because um, you're not grown up yet? Nope. Never going to grow up. That's the problem right there. I'm four. <laughs> <laughs> I'm 12. <laughs> It's kind of sad. My son's about to surpass me. No. <laughs> oh, I'm going to have a teenager next week. Kristen. Yep. Yep. Oh, oh my goodness. In six days. It's not even next week. It's six days from now. <laughs> I have a teenager. That's a scary thought. I'm old. And before you say you're not old... I am old because I have passed my midlife. Thanks to my neurological disorder. You've my, passed your midlife. I've passed my midlife. It was probably 30, to tell you the truth. Gotcha. And that's scary as fuck. <laughs> well, we still don't know what it is and what it means. and mm, I know. But. I know. I, I know your concerns. Yeah. So. But we'll update everybody once I, like, hear from the doctor. Because I see the doctor again next week. And then um, I don't think I'll stop magically stop seeing a neurologist because of it. No. And I don't think we'll have all the answers we want next week either. So I'll just keep you guys updated. Maybe I'll start my own, like, social media journey for people. <laughs> so they can keep track. Um. Uh, sounds like that's all the time we have left. Yep. Uh, so, 
Kristen, do you want to go ahead and say yeah. our goodbyes? Um, follow us on social medias. We're at Kinkyistics on Twitter, Instagram. You know what? If you guys keep going, I'm doing my <laughs> part. My part is to distract you, and I do it every time. I break her when she's trying to do the social media role. Not always, but it's, been, <laughs> it's, it's yeah. Um, Twitter, Instagram, we're not on Snapchat, we're I on might Facebook. I start a social media post um, where we're like on TikTok. document my journey And then I am Zebra Kikis. Zebra is in animal. Be kind of K-A-K-I-E-S. Fa- fa- fascinating. Uh, Twitter, TikTok, Instagram, Snapchat. I don't um, think anybody wants to hear though about all the And Jamie Zahoa doesn't do social media, but she's talking about possibly doing <laughs> social media, so we'll see. I don't know. Anyway, we'll see y'all next time. Bye! Bye.